Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Let's open this broadcast with prayer. Lord, I just lift my my heart to you. I lift my mind to you. And I say, Jesus, would you come? Would you direct our thoughts through this broadcast today? We praise you and we honor you. You are the only God. And I repent for America, where America knelt down yesterday and worshipped a pigskin, an idol. And they grieved your heart. I pray, Lord, as we as we come to your throne, that your spirit will direct the words that need to be spoken. And you will forgive your church for kneeling down to worship their idol yesterday. I can't judge or condemn them because I used to also kneel down to worship the same pigskin, what's known as the Super Bowl, an idol of great magnitude. Lord, forgive us. I pray in your holy name. Amen. My wife and I went out early in the morning for an errand. And in the process of running that errand, we spoke with a young woman that we have talked with several times. And the first thing she said to us, did you watch the game? I said, what game? She looked at me like I lost it. She said, the Super Bowl. Oh, that was yesterday? Yes. Do you know who won? No, I don't know who was playing. All of this seemed very strange to her, so she responded with an interesting question. Well, what are you a fan of? Are you a fan of of music or art, literature? I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and we smiled. And we said, no, we're a fan of Jesus Christ. She said, well, I like that. But it was clear she was shocked. A modern American couple who doesn't even know that they played the Super Bowl? No. I didn't need to know. It had nothing to do with who I am or where I'm going. I continued with her and said, You see, we're not from this world. We're from another place. And we're on our way there now. My wife kicked in, We're on our way to heaven. We follow Jesus. She couldn't wrap her mind around that that great divide between You're not of this world, but you look normal. What's going on here? We're following Jesus. And then, of course, the question arises, what do you follow? 
art, literature, music, gambling, gaming, sports. No, none of the above. We follow Jesus. Well, what do you do? We spend our time and our energy in every way possible to win people to Jesus and to the journey to heaven. Well, she's interested, but we'll have to speak another time. She was being called to a, a service appointment. I come today knowing that we who live in America have a hundred and one options for how we spend our time or our money, our energy. Some people are very much into football and others baseball, others tennis, others some other sport. Fishing, kayaking, biking. I like to do many of those things. I love to bike. I love to hike. I like to sail. I like blue water sailing. But that's not where my focus is, and it's not what I do. I haven't been blue water sailing for, unfortunately, probably 20-some years. It's not what my heart lusts after. It's not what I'm hungry for. See, if you're in the world, you can have many, many options to choose from. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you follow Jesus, there's only one option to follow Jesus. There's only one option, the tree of life. Everything else brings death. Everything else is shallow compared to the glory of the one option the Christian church provides. Only one option. The Christian position is there are only two roads. One is the road to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you get to choose 101 options. I asked one man who told me just before the broadcast, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I watched parts of it. Well, what did you get out of it? Worldliness? But something in your heart drew you to watch the Super Bowl. I can tell you what that is. He was right. Worldliness. We like our options, don't we? But in Jesus, there's only one option. Whether it's a, a road of suffering or a road of delight, if it's a road of subjection, whatever the road is, there's only one road, and that's the narrow path. And only the people who pursue only the narrow path will make it into the kingdom of God. I want to read a couple of passages for you. In Luke, the 19th chapter, as he approached Jerusalem 
and saw the city, he wept over it. And it's not just, wept is not just a few tears, it's a gushing of tears. It's a overwhelming of tears. He said, if you, even you, had only known on that day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. That's what's happening right now to you. If you think you have many options and you don't have to be that serious about turning off the world, the flesh, and the devil, then those things are an encampment encircling you, hemming you in on every side. They're closing down your options to life. So you spend more time on the broad road and then you walk on the broad road and you think, oh, this is the narrow road. I can I can pop into church. I can give a little tithing offering. Verse 44, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Have you recognized the time of God's coming to you? He has come. He's come many times to you. But have you responded by taking on that narrow road? Or are you walking on the broad road and the Holy Spirit will come to you and you'll be a little bit emotional maybe, but you'll turn him aside. You're not going to follow Jesus. It's too narrow a path for you. You're not going to shut out the world because you're lazy. You've always done it. You kick back and you watch your shows. You kick back and you're not following the one option. You have many options to choose from. Now, it's interesting to me, another passage that addresses this question. I'll share it with you. John, the first chapter, verse 10. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now there's a catch in here that is terrifying to me. And that is, He gave the right to become children of God. It doesn't say he made them children of God. He's given us the right to become children of God. He's not made us children of God. He's given us the right to become the children of God. And Jesus was very clear. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Follow him to Golgotha. Do you see the difference? Many today have become Christians, so-called. But they became that because they had the right to church membership. But they're born of natural descent. 
They're not born of God. They go to church, they enjoy the music, but there's no conviction in their heart except a sentimental love for Jesus. But on that great day, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, wait a minute, I went to church, I played in the band, I gave tithes and offerings. No, you had the right to become a child of God, but you never exercised your right. You checked out what it might mean. You may have attended church all your life, but you never crossed the Rubicon. You never crossed that final barrier where you said, I will follow Jesus. No. You enjoyed the options that were before you to be a worldly person, but also go to church. That's a rough one, isn't it? How do you, how do you get through that one? Jesus' command to Peter in John 21 was, follow me. And then when his eyes went to John and he was curious, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, mind your own business, Peter. You must follow me. Well, what would it mean if you were to follow Jesus? How would that look to you? If you go over here again, the book of Luke. I lost my place, but I'll get there quickly. If I come again to Luke, the 19th chapter, listen. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it. Is Jesus weeping over your life? Because you have not known the day he came to you. Jesus comes to every soul. He offers to every soul that gift of grace. But if you don't recognize that now is the time to make that decision, that I'm going to follow Jesus, if it's hidden from your eyes and you think you can just laze on through life, making the most of all the wonderful opportunities that come to you, oh, this job looks good. I can do this one, I can do that one. Which one will give me the best benefits? Which one will will help me the most to make money? Then you don't understand. You don't understand. Now, I'm, I'm trying to speak very kindly to you today. Gently, if you please. But if you've gone through life just making the best choices you could make and not understanding that as a Christian, you don't live that way. As a Christian, you follow Jesus. Into the good job or the bad job, doesn't matter. Jesus has a purpose for sending you to that job. And it may be a job that's very painful for you 
and doesn't make much money, but he wants you there because there's somebody he's after in that place. Have you followed Jesus? It's not a a following after Jesus with ten different choices. Look, I have all these job opportunities. Which one should I take? The one that makes more money? The one that has more vacation time? Part of what I'm hearing from young people today is, I don't want to work. They're saying, look, I'm not going to do a nine-to-five. I want to be free to have a a passive income on the Internet. I want to be free to play with some ministry on one side and and just make enough money to slide through on the other side. What's following Jesus? I have to tell you, I wanted to be a pastor when I was a little boy. But when I hit late high school, I said, maybe I don't want to do that. I saw the cost. I said, maybe I want to be an attorney. I think I would enjoy being an attorney. And then I thought of other things and said, well, Maybe I ought to explore that, too. And my teachers all encouraged me to explore all the job possibilities and then to decide based on which one will give me the best lifestyle, which one will pay the most, which one will be the most satisfying for me. And I got to college, and I had to face this head on. And I said in my heart, you know what? I don't want to be an attorney unless Jesus sends me there. I want to follow Jesus. I don't care about the salary. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the prestige. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And the only way I know that for me that will work is if I'm a pastor. Now, I'm not saying everybody should be a pastor. But I'm saying that everyone needs to choose the job they're in based on following Jesus. Did he lead you to that job? I know a brother who's working as an electrician. God led him to that job. It's not easy. It's not an easy job. I know others who are doing jobs that are just not easy at all. My wife was married to another man for 20-some years. And then he became sick and died. Died of cancer. And she took care of him. And then she took care of some others in her family who were sick and dying. She took care of her mother-in-law. It seemed that all God would let her do was take care of people who were dying. I'm talking physical care. Washing, changing, housework. And then the Lord brought her to me and said, I want you to be his husband and put love in her heart. She'd been a widow for 28 years. And during those years, she did mission work. Her husband left her almost a million dollars, and she spent those years giving that away until finally it was all gone. She didn't want the money. She was following Jesus. 
And then we were married, and for the first year, it was a honeymoon. And then I fell and broke my leg. And then her life became very painful again, taking care of a husband who was an invalid. That's all she's done in her life. That's all she's done? Come on. That's an awesome ministry that she has performed. She didn't do it for money. She gave her money away. She's done it out of the love of her heart for Jesus and for people. Well, she is she important in the world? Well, no, they'd say no. She's never had a high-powered job in the world, but she's had a very high-powered job with Jesus, and she's done a masterful job, I have to tell you. If I think too much about it, I'll start to cry. It's that that choosing to follow Jesus. And if Jesus leads her into a ministry of care, and he did, she's done it with love and dignity and with great compassion. Now, some of you may be working as a nurse. Or some of you may be working as an office person. It doesn't matter where you work if you were led there by Jesus and you're fulfilling in that place the gospel commission. Your your heart is going out to serve and help other people. Soon, money won't matter at all. There's no money in heaven. You don't need money there. Everything's covered. But there I'm sure Jesus will have work for us. The work of serving him and others. Caring for others. I'm concerned because most of you are doing things with your life that were just wonderful options for you. You can go on this cruise, you can go on this road trip, you can do this, you can do that. There's a hundred and one things you can do. Which one do you do? The one Jesus leads you to do. Sometimes it's pleasant. Sometimes it's very unpleasant. But you do it because Jesus led you there. You know the voice of your shepherd. And you go where he sends you. And you do what he tells you to do. This is what life is about. So those who say, you know, I I don't want to do work. I want to do something that brings me passive income. And and then I just want to do every day what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go. I want to see what I want to see. I know people who've spent years in a motorhome just driving around the country enjoying themselves. That's not what life is about. One day, I'm going to stand before the throne of God, and he's going to ask me, Raymond, what did you do with the time I gave you? Lord, I served you. And Lord, I waited upon you. That's what it's about. It's not about what will make you feel good. It's not about what will satisfy your worldly heart. It's not about money. Although money is a very valuable tool 
And Jesus uses money to build his kingdom. But it's not about money. It's about serving Jesus and doing what he asks you to do and following, following Jesus. That's a very key question to ask. Oh, I'd like to do this. Is that following Jesus or is that following your own evil desire? We need to check everything we do by that question. You know, as I was considering all of this, my mind turned to the book of Revelation. The hour in which we live is found in the sixth chapter of Revelation. We're in the third seal. It's just opening now. I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. We're living in a black, a black day. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages. That's enough for your food for one day. Six pounds of barley for a day's wages. That's enough nutrient to feed a man for a day. And do not damage the oil and the wine. You know, don't touch the elites. We're in a we're at the end of time. And the world is closing down. Now, you may not see that. But if you've been following the news and you see what's happening in Poland, Russia, if you follow the war talk for Europe and Israel, Israel has just today opened another war front, sending in tanks to the final large city. Many fear it's going to produce one of the most horrific death scenes of our modern culture. A lot of people are going to die. We live in a time of death. Very quickly, when the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and before me was a pale horse, and its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. This is Revelation, the sixth chapter. Verse 8. Death and Hades were given power over one-fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. This is what's opening before us as famine comes to America and to many other parts of the world. And then comes death and Hades with that dying. being killed by weapons, by famine, by plague, by the wild beasts of the earth. As people try to escape the cities and the wild animals are waiting for them. That's where we're at. Now, Who do you serve? Who or what do you follow? I have only one option. Deny myself. 
take up my cross and follow Jesus. Those are your options. You have one option as a Christian. You have many options as a pagan. As a pagan Christian, you have many options. You have a smorgasbord of choices about where you'll work and where you'll go and what you'll do and what your goals are, but not as a Christian. As a Christian, there is only one option, a narrow road. When it dips into the valley and it looks like you're into the valley of the shadow of death, praise and honor and glory unto Jesus. When you break your leg and the Lord tells you, wait on me, he doesn't tell you, go to a doctor. He says, wait on me. Wait upon the Lord. Okay. Praise and worship and honor belong unto Jesus. I'm cheated on at work. I'm treated unfairly. Praise and honor and glory belong unto Jesus. My car breaks down. I lose my house. I'm cursed. Praise and honor and glory belong unto Jesus. Do you hear me? You don't know which way to turn. Praise and honor and glory belong unto Jesus. And you wait upon him until he makes your path plain before you. He orders your steps before you. And you worship him. You know he is your Lord and your Savior. You're not going to turn left or right. When the path is not clear before you, you're not going to light your own torch. You're not going to light your own way. You're going to wait upon the Lord. And you're going to honor the name of Jesus with praise and, and worship and honor. You see, I don't belong here. I'm just traveling through. I'm going to a better land. I believe that. I know that to be true. It's not fantasy. This is the fantasy world. This is the world that's not real. And I look around, and I see the pain, the poverty, the brokenness. I'm here to lift up the name of Jesus before each person and to call them to follow after Jesus and know that that is the only place of security. That's the only place of rest. It's the only place of joy. That's where I want to be. I'm where I want to be. I'm in the hands of Jesus Christ. Do I like it that my leg's broken? No, I don't. It hurts. I'm awakened many times through the night. It's okay. Praise and worship and honor and glory belong unto my Lord Jesus. So how is it for you? Where are you headed? Do you know where you're going? Oh, Pastor, I, I want this. I, 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 I want that. Lay it down on the altar before Jesus. Give it to him. Let no evil desire or no righteous desire rise up in your heart that is not simply given over to Jesus. And let him bring forth what he wants to bring forth in your life. He loves you. He gave you the right to become a child of God. Now, if you don't exercise that right, 
it will be wasted on you. Do you understand? You have the right to become a child of the Almighty God. But you have to make the choices that will cause that to take place for you. You have to act on that desire to become a child of God. You have to open your eyes and open your heart. And then you have to recognize the time of God's coming to you. The day he comes to you will bring peace to your heart. Don't argue. Wholeheartedly throw yourself upon Jesus. Stand by faith that he will order your steps. He will tell you where to live, what to do. He has a mission for you. He has a work for you. Whether it's in the factory or it's in the pulpit, doesn't really matter. It only matters that you follow Jesus wherever he wants to take you, not where you want to go. Go where he sends you, when he sends you. Now, I have to confess, many times the Lord came to me during my life to give me new directions, and I did not understand and did not agree. And I suffered a very severe consequence for that. I brought shame on my name and upon the name of Jesus because I didn't know how to follow Jesus in that situation. I had to learn the very painful lessons of those who are hard-headed and need to just wait on Jesus. And frankly, sometimes it takes a lot of waiting to understand what the path is, and you keep doing what you're doing now until he opens the new way. And he will open the new way. And he will bless you in it. If only I had known on what day Jesus was ready to bring peace into my life. But it was hidden from my eyes. I tell you the wonderful, wonderful news from my heart. I know what he wants me to do. And I'm doing exactly what he's told me to do. I'm waiting upon him. Now, will I ever have a pulpit to preach from again? Will I ever have the joy of leading the people of God in worship? I don't know. If the Lord desires that for me, I will. I will only go where he leads me, and I will only follow Jesus. I don't have to be anything except a follower. That's what I want to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. What do you want? What are you? Are you a follower of Jesus? Or have you taken the options that are there? One of the options is, oh, you can, you can be a Christian. But you're also going to have the option of playing with the world. You're going to have the option of making lots of money. You're going to have the option of being like a pagan. You can gamble. You can follow the sports. You can do whatever you want to do. You're free. I'm not free. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give that up. Are you ready? Let's pray to God. Lord, I'm so grateful 
for each person who has who has listened carefully to what has been said today and who desire with all of their heart just to follow you, Jesus, to deny themselves, to take up their cross and die on that cross and be resurrected in the presence and power and person of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for each person who is honestly considering what it means to follow you, Jesus. I pray that you will lift them up today and encourage their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to thank you for each person who has who has sacrificed their finances to allow this broadcast to be on the air. I don't consider what I'm doing to be of any import. But Jesus, you sent me here, and you said, do this. And so in obedience to you, I'm here on the air. In obedience to you, I'm waiting upon you. And I'm looking forward to what you've promised me, which is revival, which is which is an extraordinary move of your spirit to teach men and women how to follow you, how to turn from their sin and obey you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I come, and there are many listening who are sick. They're broken. They're not functioning. They're shut-ins. Lord, I pray for those today who are blind, who are broken, who are sick. And I lift up my hand to you, Jesus. And I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You're the same today as you were yesterday, Jesus. You're not changing. And your heart is full of compassion for those who are sick and broken. And Lord, I come today and ask, would you move in power for them? Would you move in power to encourage and to heal and to build up and to open the doors where they feel there's no possibility. It's just a wall in front of them, and they don't know how to get through. Lord, would you show them where the door is? Would you open the way for them? Lord, thank you. Mighty, mighty, mighty is your name, O Lord, King of all the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to hear what Jesus is doing in your heart as you listen to this broadcast. Has your heart been changed? Have you made new choices, new decisions? Have you turned away from the options you've been playing with with the world? Can you say with me, I am sold out to Jesus? And I follow him, even when it hurts. I'd love to hear from you and know what options you're choosing or option are you committed to. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Went to the post office this morning and there was a wonderful sacrificial gift from a family up in Port Huron, Michigan. 
I can't tell you, brother and sister, how that encouraged my heart. It encouraged my heart. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, my dear brother Ed has been doing a lot of work completely redesigning our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Go take a look. Leave a comment. Subscribe, please, to our broadcast. Check that button, that, that check that says, I like this content. When you do that, it's seen, it's observed by Google, and they spread this message even further. I'm so grateful for each of you. I don't feel alone. I know your prayers are lifting me. Your prayers are carrying me as I wait for Jesus. There's another webpage that you could look at. It's also National Prayer Chapel, but this webpage is, uh, if I can get it exactly right, revivalnow.church. Revivalnow.church. It's under construction. Brother Ed has been spending much time trying to arrange these web pages to testify that Jesus is Lord. I appreciate my dear brother. He is hes a very precious brother and his wife's song. They are faithful servants. So thank you. Well, we're out of time. I love you. I want to meet you, if not here in heaven. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless you.